Fitness Pro Mentor Facebook group. What is going on? We are the Minds on Muscle podcast. I'm extremely excited because we're going to be talking about some technical stuff today. Uh, really quick, I'm with my co-host, Mr. Glenn Owen. Glenn, how are you doing today, sir? Lovely, Brandon. I'm excited to talk about this topic. How are you doing? I'm good. Very, very good. Got some nice cardio in this morning, so a small cancellation. Got a nice juicy topic for everybody here, so it's going to be a banger. Juicy. Let's jump into this banger. So very quickly, if you've been around for a while, we have our marketing mentorship and we are committed to helping personal trainers like you two to three X their income organically, because honestly, truthfully, if you have the right marketing system, right sales system, right retention systems, you can have an absolutely crushing business. But truthfully, between having a solid business foundation and uh, thought process to grow your business, you need to have technical skills and knowledge to stack on top of that, which is one of our five pillars of personal training. And so one of the things we're gonna be talking about today is stretching, because that has become a grossly more controversial topic uh, over the years. And I'm going to tell you that we don't actually stretch any of our clients at Strata Internal Performance at all. But I wanted to find what stretching means and talk about some things to consider there. Yeah. And I think defining terms as sometimes as maybe tedious or perhaps boring as it can seem is super important for these kind of conversations. Because just like how other industries like in finance have buzzwords like options and dividends and all that kind of stuff. Sometimes those things mean different things to different people. In the world of fitness, fat burning, stretching, all these different words can mean different things to different people. I bet if you talk to 10 different trainers and you ask them what stretching is, you will probably get 10, maybe some similar, some maybe very different answers. So I think let's, if it's okay with you, define what we believe stretching to be. Well, I mean, truthfully, if we decide to go down the stretching rabbit hole, we could get into the actual whole material science physics perspective. There's a ton of stuff that we could explore here, but making it extremely simple today, we're only going to be talking about two forms of stretching as it relates to kinematics and human motion. Uh, there's the very common form, which is passive stretching, which is where you might see someone in a yoga class or a traditional personal trainer, take someone limb out to the side, see how far they can go and then move them further than they can go actively which stacks on top of the second one, which is active range of motion or active stretching. Both of these have very similar properties. Range of motion is a combination of how far your joints can go at any given time with the skeletal muscle control systems and as well as the external physics on it. The reason why I say that is, for example, like something like a shoulder flexion, like if I'm doing a side view, if you're watching the video, I can bring my arm up to 180 degrees of shoulder flexion from a seated position. But if I were to bend over and have my stomach facing towards the ground and try and do thing, do that in the same motion, my strength internal, my strength profile actively may not be able to overcome the length of my arm and gravity the same way. And I might actually have a slight change in my active range of motion. So active range of motion really is a combination of our geometry, our skeletal muscles performance at that given time and our organization to our environment, our geocentric, our egocentric to our geocentric, which is really important. And I think a really cool thing because you see a lot of these people, like after I said, uh, there's a lot of people who teach active range of motion after all these years. And there's a very common active range of motion assessment around squatting. You know what I'm talking about for hips? Are we talking about the one where you are uh, like on all fours and you're sitting backwards, that bad boy? Well, I was thinking about the more common one that kind of from our world where someone's standing. Okay. And you see a lot of people and they'll do this thing of you need to assess your hip flexion to see how deep you can squat oh, where you stand and you pull your hip up towards your chest. And this is a very common thing. And I mean, in fact, even on camera here, I can do this super quickly. If I stand and pull my leg up, you can see that I'm about 110 degrees to my torso, which is cool. But a lot of people will say that that active range of motion should determine how deep you squat. Truthfully, 
I don't entirely agree with that because if we think about that range of motion assessment, when you pick your leg up, it is your hip flexors, anterior sagittal plane muscles of your thigh with a gigantic moment arm because your knee is further away from your torso versus gravity. If we're trying to assess what muscles are capable of performing a deep controlled squat, we really should be looking at how well can we eccentrically control hip flexion with our glutes and our hip extensors. So this becomes a really cool conversation that we can kind of curtail for another time, but active range of motion can be very different depending on the position that you are with gravity. I find it very fascinating. I think even just saying that really speaks to the need for personal trainers to understand physics, but also the materials in the body. I'm a big believer if you understand physics and you understand the material properties and you understand some basic physiology, you can really reverse engineer a lot of this different stuff. I think in part and parcel, that's a large swath of the conversation that we're going to be having today. So one of the reasons why I will not recommend and none of us here really teach passive stretching is we have to consider what are all of the things that stop us from moving further into a range. If I try to take my arm back and I reach all the way back behind me, there is a litany of anatomical reasons why my arm cannot go further back than it can go with my voluntary control. There is how strong my muscles are based off of the environment that I'm in right now. There's a material component of the shape of my actual shoulder joint, right? So my kinematics of my joint, right? The geometry of my joint. There's also my actual ligaments and tendons and other smaller muscles that I might not even be thinking about, perhaps some of the rotator cuff muscles that might actually be limiting how far I can bring my arm backwards. In any event, there also potentially could be nerves and arteries that are getting extremely tight. A lot of things. If my arm cannot go further back than it can go actively, the question I would ask you is, is it a responsible thing to try and go further back than you can go by forcing somebody there? And we see this a lot. Yeah, and the, I mean, the other question I think that we learn on top of that is, is that within your purview as a personal trainer? Are you even certified to do those kind of things? I don't know what the rules are, perhaps around the world, but I certainly know that uh, some of the governing bodies in Canada that teach different parts of exercise science and personal training, they don't even cover stretching because to push someone past what they can actively control is reserved for physiotherapists and medical and par other paramedical practitioners, often which personal trainers do not even get grouped into. So then yeah. you also could potentially, you could potentially be putting yourself at legal risk by passively stretching some people. Yeah, well, that's a huge other conversation there as well. And I mean, Kevin Dunn is one of our good friends, masters of spinal physical therapy. I mean, he's absolutely a wizard at this. You got to find a very good qualified physical therapist to start doing joint, yeah, joint mobilizations, pardon me. But at the end of the day, if we think about this idea of passive stretching that we just kind of spoke about, mm -hmm. if you have an individual and they cannot go further than they can go, there are probably internal reasons why someone might not be able to do that. I understand that you may want to increase that mobility. One of the things that you'll start to see is if someone starts to passively push on you, you will see sometimes increase in range of motion. There are two conversations here, and one of which I'm not even sure if I've had with you ever before. There's a really interesting study that Jacques H. Newell-Taylor shared with me, and he was talking about that different, showing me that different ligaments at different joint systems have different reactions to high amounts of stress and their elastic properties. For example, if you put a high amount of stress through the patella, the actual patella ligament will actually start to stiffen up and become much more rigid, which is a really not an uncommon thing. If you've ever injured your knee, you'll feel it stiffen up and become much more rigid, especially at that front area. The Achilles tendon, for example, has a higher amount of elastic 
energy, if you will, or elastic style property when you start to passively stretch it. And so it's really interesting because if we think about this idea of passive stretching, I would encourage you, if you are attached to doing it, learn as much as you can. But there are some very interesting papers out there that you can learn about showcasing that different joint systems and different ligaments will stretch differently based off of the demand that's put on it, which really kind of revolutionizes the, revolutionizes the whole idea. Maybe stretching your knee could be really quite risky and not beneficial for mobility enhancement at all. But perhaps stretching your ankle in a specific way could increase mobility, which is kind of like a, a fun idea to consider. Well, I mean, there's so much depth to that, and I won't even pretend like I know what all those different ligaments are as far as I've, I've been concerned in regards to this kind of conversation is that if you stretch a ligament, oftentimes those things don't go back to the way that they are. And so let's say we do have a client and we do believe that passive stretching, as we've described early in the podcast, is a good idea. Let's just say we agree with that statement for a second. What is the potential risk versus reward if you increase range of motion but it becomes, but it comes at the behest of actually weakening some of the passive internal structures that are going to support the joint. There are some things in the body that when you stretch them, they don't go back to the way that they were before. And for people, especially as they get older, they have less recovery ability. If you stretch something out that your, that your client's body may be significantly relying on because other tissues are compromised, you could be putting them in a really serious detrimental position. Quick story. Younger in my career, I worked at this gym and it was a pricey gym. And the head, uh, not the head trainer there, one of the trainers that had been there for a long time was doing that, you know, passive kind of hamstring stretch where his client was lying on a massage bed. He said, keep your knee straight and locked out and I'm going to push your leg up close towards your head. And you are going to let me do that. And the client is paying this person for their knowledge and their instruction and they willingly agree. Well, as this is happening, there is so much passive tension going on at this person's low back and spine that something pops. I could hear it from 10 feet away. It was bad. And this person screams out in pain. Everyone in the gym looks at this trainer and their client on the table. And this trainer starts to panic. He says, okay, so don't worry, don't worry. Listen, we'll just stretch that out. Everything's going to be fine. Likely, what just happened? Something in the body just broke and gave away. And this person wants to continue passively pushing this person into a range that they can clearly not control to make things feel better. And chasing the sensation of just someone feeling better on a table is a whole other conversation. But the point I'm trying to make is, boy, some things... You mess them up, and it's very hard for them to go back to the way they were before. Yeah, that's a sad story, and I've heard way too many like that. I mean, if I take this dirty rag, which part of me that is dirty, it's actually used for my dry erase board. If I grab the tip and tip, right, and you can see that there's a length between my fingers, if I pull on this, there's an amount of deformation of the materials, like a Chinese finger trap, where this actually starts to get longer. And if I hung this downstairs with a big weight on the bottom of it, it would actually have an amount of creep that would allow it to get a little bit longer, but if I remove the resistance, it would go back to its original form. So there's an amount of creep based off of the materials with the a little bit of elastic that whatever wash, this washcloth is probably made of some polyester, so it's got some plastic component. So it probably has a little bit of stretch based off of it, but that amount of creep, once you remove the resistance or tension, will go back to its original shape. 
Well, if that amount of resistance yanks on it long enough, that creep or change, like Glenn said, becomes permanent. And it's just like if you had a Ziploc bag that your lunch bag, your lunch uh, sandwich was in, and you like put your thumb in it, and it stretches out, and there's that thumb dent that you all probably have done if you were a 90s kid. Perfect example of that. That's where the plastic material stretched to a certain point, but then it could no longer go back. Now, this is not saying that every time you stretch, a ligament or a tendon or anything is going to deform and change permanently. Truthfully, the reason why so many people can stretch passively and not hurt themselves is the body's extremely resilient. Like truthfully, the amount of physics that we feel every time we step off of a curb that goes through our one ankle is over a thousand pounds that our joints and our ligaments actually experience. It's really quite a lot. So for someone to grab somebody and, and put them in a position and push them and really push hard enough to cause damage, I mean, either that piece has already had a bit of damage, it was just on the edge, or you were pushing really quite hard. So one of the things that we advocate here as far as getting into this whole thing is active range of motion, because truthfully, active range of motion is your ability's current, current internal scenario where it can control and orchestrate motion given your orchestration to gravity and your physics. And it's a very cool thing. I love it because this idea of active range of motion, if we're looking at it as an assessment, can give you some very true but also low-risk scenarios to identify from right to left. Are there mobility differences? My most favorite part of this, though, is something that I learned from Tom Purvis. And the idea was that an assessment and an exercise is only a little fatigue away. If I conduct a range of motion and I continue to move back and forth to even just assess it, Internally, there is this effect that Robbins coined called post-activation potentiation. And he even said in one of his papers, it seems like any form of skeletal muscle activity is likely to elicit the potentiation response, which increases the acute contractile mechanisms of the muscle, amount of force development, rate of force development, and duration of force development. If I have that internal scenario that changes my body's ability to produce tension just by visiting that range of motion, just by performing an assessment, my body can increase strength and motion very easily. Now, two, if I really want to improve this range of motion, instead of looking at the motion and going, ah, you know what you need is you need X, Y, and Z strategy to improve it now, truthfully, you can actually just conduct that assessment over and over again in the exact same scenario, perhaps even providing a little bit of resistance, and it all of a sudden starts to become an exercise when the sensation increases. You start noticing things that were different. It starts to feel easier or harder, and this is beautiful. Because this means that these internal acute mechanisms like post-activation potentiation and post-contraction sensory discharge and everything that comes with those acute mechanisms are trainable things. And here's why I get so excited about this idea and I want to do a podcast about it. Maybe stretching has some inherent risks, but the idea of assessing mobility and seeing mobility improvement is very important. As we get older, we want to have as much mobility as possible. It's possible that just assessing mobility could help you improve mobility. And if you do it in a safe way, you're going to safely be working on improving mobility in safe, controlled scenarios, which is beautiful. You don't have to work that hard. You don't have to do anything special. All you have to do is check that motion. Hmm, this one's a little stiffer. And you keep doing it, you might actually elicit the potentiation response, which is why some cases, even just conducting range of motion assessments can make groundbreaking changes. Now, here's the other thing that I'll throw out there. Glenn's going to tell us all about... What am I telling you about? <laughs> How... You talk about how potentiation might pop up with passive stretching. How potentiation might pop up with passive stretching. Brandon just threw this on me here. Well, here's the thing. If you are going to be taking a client into a passive stretched position, your body and your muscles, they want to be able to support that irregardless. Because to some extent, if you're taking your, if you're taking your client into a passive position, 
it's very easy for your brain and your body to interpret that as a not great thing. And that's because that stretching sensation that you get, that tightness that for a lot of people feels good, that's also your body telling you, hey, if we keep going this far, something bad could potentially happen. Think about it. Why else would your body tell you that? Your body, when you experience pain and discomfort from an acute injury like rolling your ankle, it tells you that something in that joint isn't right right now. And you ought to take it easy for a little bit. Because if you don't, something worse can happen. And so what does your body want to do in response? Well, your body wants to protect you. So as a result of being in an end range position, where already there's less overlapping of the different contractile filaments in the muscle, so it's going to be a relatively weaker position, your body knows it's going to have to generate a lot of force in order to support that end range position. And so what does it do? Because it knows it's getting close to its limits and there's a little bit less that contractile ability there, it's going to drastically increase the output in that position, at least for the time being, so that your body can manage it so you don't hurt yourself. That's the way I look at it, Brandon. I don't know if that was sufficient for you. That was a great answer. I'll add one more little sprinkle in there Please. for sure. If we take Glenn's arm out to the side and we reach all the way back as far as he can go, and I, no, we're not going to do it, but I start pushing on him. In most cases, there is a reflexive contraction that helps to mitigate, <laughs> to smack me, to mitigate that force, right? Because like Glenn said, it's a pretty vulnerable position. You're going to feel a litany of tension and things. And, and most people feel in the same spot. Like it's usually like that anterior shoulder area. Well, if you experience that tension, there's a component of that tension that is reflexively active, which means your body is very quickly reflexively trying to contract in that position to help provide more stability to protect that joint. I think that makes sense. You go to a dangerous position, your body's going to lay down some strength to try and protect it as best it can, which means you're actually getting potentiation responses, increase in calcium sensitivity, increase in the H reflex. The potential angle might actually be changing to be more advantageous in those crummy, risky positions before and during the actual passive stretch force, be it a wall or a person. Here's why this is super cool. You might actually potentiating yourself by doing the passive stretch. And there's a few studies that I can actually send if anyone's interested. I've got in my little potentiation document book that you guys can see where this is actually happening. So here's why I would coin this to you. And then we're going to move on to our pick of the week. In my professional opinion, you do not need to stretch people to have a successful career passively. There may be a way you can conduct it, but as personal trainers without licensed therapeutic training, we are getting into risky territory like Glenn said. Lateral to that, you actually might be eliciting a potentiation response, which could easily be elicited actively and more safely. You can get better results without stretching people faster as a personal trainer. And you can make those changes and keep them. And I'll tell you this, if you're listening to this and you're excited by hearing this, we have a study group on Fridays at 9 a.m. That's a part of our mentorship where we literally explore this from force development, rate of force development, duration of force development, and we connect it with all the physiological literature we possibly can to make sure it makes sense, not because we're trying to be nerds, although it's fun, but because we want to help clients better. I think that's very cool. I will finish on this particular piece if you're a very new personal trainer, and a lot of this stuff might sound like it's on another level. Brian talked about H reflex. We're talking about potentiation, all these other concepts. One of the best things that you can do for your client, if their goal is just to move and feel better, 
is get them stronger with the resistance training through active ranges of motion that they can, can control and you just don't bring them to a point where they're super fatigued and tired. You will be amazed at people who go from doing almost no exercise a week to just doing some easy leg pressing to easy rowing to easy pushing. And I'm not saying this is a plan you have to follow, but if you get people doing that kind of thing in ways that they can control that just isn't super fatiguing, they're going to feel amazing after six weeks and they're going to be singing your praises. And it doesn't even really seem like anything special. And I also argue it's a better use of your time. It's not only going to increase range of motion and mobility, but you're going to help them have more strength, which is just going to filter down to literally every other part of their life. Endurance, um, balance, you name it, it's going to get better by doing strength and resistance training. Beautiful. Everyone, that's our little bit on stretching. Hey, let's tell you what, if you're watching this on YouTube, Spotify, wherever you're seeing this, you're listening to it, uh, please let us know, do you agree or do you not? And if you're listening to this, we have a private Facebook group called the Fitness Pro Mentors Facebook group. It's called Fitness Pro Mentors. You'll see. Please join. We can talk more about this. You'll see this video live in there. And I'd love to answer any questions for you to make sure you feel great about being a personal trainer and understanding how you can get better results faster. But Glenn, what's your pick of the week? I'm prepared this week. So my pick of the week this week is kind of a twofold thing, let's call it. And my pick of the week is going to be a challenge in one sense. So my challenge for you is pick a piece of education that you feel you share with clients often. That's important for your process and for them to know to get better and improve their health. And then I want you to come up with a way to make it stickier. How can you tell them something so that it sticks? And it becomes something that they know and they consider every time they exercise or they train with you or they take it into the world and make it something that's a part of their day-to-day -day life. Because a large part of being able to maintain a business where your clients stick around and you charge a lot of money for it so that they get what they need and you get to live the life that you lead, <laughs> you get to lead the life that you want to live through the income that you make, is to be a really strong communicator. And Brandon's amazing at this and he had actually a really great example, something I'm going to steal is you talk about that creep. And he had that dirty, dirty cloth he was showing you about the deformation. But if you're watching and you were engaged with it, that made that sticky. Versus him just saying technically, well, you know, uh, ligaments, if they stretch too long, uh, they might deform and yada, 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 so on and so forth. Boring, blah, blah, blah. Some great ways of doing this. Use visual props. People love props. They make things stick. Tell an analogy or a story that's funny or emotional or memorable to make things work. Brandon's got a great one. We use this one a lot. I've got this one from Brandon. You know, sometimes we talk about why do muscles sometimes get tight and achy? Well, it's often because they might be overworked and they're taking up the job for someone else. Imagine Brandon and I are in a dance competition and Brandon's dancing really, really hard because he wants to win the big $10,000 prize. Not good though. And I could care less. So I'm really just kind of phoning it in. I'm taking it easy. Who's going to be really, really tired and tight and achy the next day? going to be Brandon. Who's going to feel just fine? It's going to be me. Lazy dancer. And that's why we have to address some of these muscles in your body that aren't as strong because it's going to help take the load off the ones that are tight and achy. And that makes, makes it a little stickier. It's going to get your point across. Your clients are going to respect you more and it's going to open a lot more doors for you. So my pick of the week here is take a piece of education that you often say with clients and find a way to make it stickier with a memorable story, good analogy, a prop, whatever that looks like. It's going to transform your education. Very cool. Brandon, I'm going to throw it back over to you. 
Pick of the week. Mine is actually a retention strategy that we've been talking about in the mentorship a lot, and I'm happy to share it with you guys here because it's extremely simple. And if you want more specific technical examples for you, uh, please reach out to me. It's called future casting. And uh, we've been talking about this a lot. I know it's a soft skill that Glenn's worked on a lot from being here. And something that, to be honest, we've just started talking a lot more about about the mentorship in the mentorship because once people get in the door, like marketing and advertising get a lot of leads. That's a hard thing to do, but once you get it, it ends up happening. I mean, a lot of our clients and the mentorship are absolutely crushing it, which is great. But then retention is another piece of the puzzle, and it can't just be can't just be that you're technically proficient. There's a way to communicate. So future casting is if you have your client's original objectives, their pains that they came to see you. Why are they seeing you, and what are they afraid of that they may not be able to do, or do they desire to do that the thing they have right now is limiting them? The exercise is going to fix. You got to have that in your mind. And the reason why I say that is because every session and every exercise and everything you do has to future cast where what you're doing right now is going to affect them tomorrow, one week from now, and even a year from now. And if you consistently are talking about how this exercise that's a single leg squat, that's an eccentric controller down towards the ground, that's going to help them manage force better, is going to help their knee and their back, is important 12 months from now when they get back on their new job site that's a very physically active job, you all of a sudden set this precedent that you guys are communicating and conveying 12 months ahead in the future. And this helps you retain that relationship at a high quality and establishes your value not just today but in the future. Future casting is really talking about why the thing you are doing matters. And if you're ever like, I don't know what to talk to this client about, you should be talking about how what they're doing matters for their life. So it's future casting. And if you like this idea and you feel like you're losing clients and your retention rates aren't as high, send me a direct message and I'll send you some personalized feedback. My name's Brandon Green on Facebook. If you don't know me, reach out. I'd love to try and help you as best I can. That future casting thing is so important for those type A, very logical clients because they have to know why they're doing what they're doing, what does it give them in the future and where they're going. You're going to have some clients that are going to be routine. I've got them. Brandon's got them. Not that we can't not, uh, not that we shouldn't not educate. Not that if we don't educate, they won't continue to stay with us, but they're going to be clients who, when you charge a premium, they're always going to want to know what's in it for me. And if they can see the future and short-term what's in front of them, they're going to stick around a lot longer and you need to future cast for that reason. Everybody, thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Minds on Muscle Show. We are the Fitness Pro Mentors Podcast. That was a fun one. Hey, if you like this technical stuff, send us a quick message and let's talk. We're going to try and talk about all different layers so no matter your academic level or your thought process, we can help convey some ideas to help you get more value out of this. But if you want to scale your business, you're excited about learning nerdy stuff, uh, please reach out to us at the Fitness Pro Mentors Facebook group or direct message us on Instagram, anywhere you can find us, fitnesspromentors at gmail.com. We'll talk to you guys real soon. Have a good one. Take care, everybody. Wonderful long outro. Bye, everyone. Have a good one. Did it go again? Still going. Okay. Bye-bye. <laughs>